Welcome, 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 Hug Church, soon to be Supper Church, and welcome to episode number 141. I am your 30 second host, Justin. First off, thank you for tuning in and being a part of our online community. If you are interested in connecting IRL in real life, join a supper group, contact us, DM us, and we'll get you plugged in. Also, if you're interested in supporting us, please visit hugchurch.com slash give. We're giving helps with this podcast, our virtual services, meeting the needs of the community here. Well, today our pastor chef, Eddie Park, will be talking about a core value here. So a question to you today is, where do you belong? What's up, everybody? My name is Eddie, and I'm the founding and teaching pastor of Hug, soon to be Supper Church. I hope you all had a great Labor Day weekend. Hey, so question of the day was, what was your click in high school? Were you a jock? Were you a nerd? Were you a goth? An emo? Were you in the Asian click? Were you a skater? Were you a surfer? You know, when we watch movies and TV shows like High School Musical or Glee, it's like so cliche that there's always like, they, they always show like different types of cliques in high school. And most of the reason is because it's true. Most of us in high school, we saw that there were all these different groups of people that everyone kind of belonged to. And maybe the question really is, what clique were you part of and what group did you always want to belong to? You know what's funny? As a kid, I was the only Asian kid growing up in my neighborhood. I uh, was definitely the only Korean in my class. And unlike, um, you know, unlike the schools here in Orange County, especially Fullerton, where it's like over 50% Asian, but as embarrassingly it is to say, I was actually part of the popular white varsity athlete clique. I know, surprise, surprise. Part of that is because I played sports and I was a part of ASB. But you know what's funny? By the time I went to high school, there were actually a bunch of Asian students that like were bused and transferred into my high school. You know, it wasn't a lot of them, but there were some of them. And I was so excited. Because, man, I felt so alone for a very long time, from elementary to junior high. And so I was actually really excited to make some Asian friends. And and also not only to just ask the other Asian girl to all the school dances. But I always felt like an outsider. I didn't really belong, like, you know, to my surfer, blonde-haired, Jewish friend group. But the sad thing was, I really didn't belong to the Asians either. You know, there's a story in high school I'll never forget. I went to the lunch table areas where all the Asians sat for lunch. And I walked across this big courtyard because our group ate lunch on the other side of school. And I had to ask one of my Asian classmates if I can borrow her notes from class. And when I got there, I asked one of the Asian guys. And this guy had like slicked back hair And there was like a bandana hanging out of his back pocket. I had no clue what it meant back then, but now I do. And and I asked, um, hey, is is actually it was more like this, um, hey, is uh Tina here? I need to actually ask her uh something from class. And he looks at me and says, No white people allowed. And I was so confused, I looked behind me. And no one was there. And I just straight up said, wait, what? Are you talking to me? And he said, yeah, you. Now, to be fair, I think at the time I had like a faux hawk. 
and I was wearing like Abercrombie and Fitch, probably like head to toe. But I share this story to show you I had a hard time belonging with uh, the Asian group too. Like I desperately wanted to. In fact, my entire life, I struggled to belong really anywhere. Have you ever felt like that? Maybe at work, there are employees that like hate their bosses or owners and managers and they complain and talk behind their backs, but you don't really feel the same way as, as them. But you also don't really feel like you belong with the bosses because they just make way more money than you do and they get to call all the shots. That's called middle management. <laughs> maybe, you feel like, uh, maybe you feel like this in your family. Maybe you're the black sheep. Maybe you spend a lot of time with your in-laws, but you don't really fit in with them and you don't really fit in with your own family. You just don't fit in anywhere. Maybe it's politics. Most of America is in the middle. Because over the years, the two political parties have become so extreme, so polar opposite. And, and a lot of us actually have to vote by policy, not by party anymore. Maybe you were once a Republican, but you realize you don't belong there anymore. But you don't really feel like you belong as a Democrat. Maybe you tried being a Libertarian for a little while, but you realize, ah, I don't really belong here either. I share all this because I'm currently feeling like I don't fit in. You know, one of my mentors asked me the other day, Eddie, how's your soul? How's your walk with the Lord? And it caught me off guard because I was like, uh, one, no one ever asked me that. And two, I realized I try not to think about that because the past few years, I felt very frustrated and even angry at the fact that our faith and people who represent Christ, they're not representing a well to the rest of the world. And just like our political, political system, the church and Christianity in this country has become more and more polarizing and extreme. You're either a biblical church or an unbiblical church. You're either pro-abortion or anti-abortion. You're either accepting of LGBTQ or not accepting. It's become so binary that if you disagree with anything in the conservative system, you're a heretic, you're a liberal, all progressives are going to hell and leading people astray. And I find myself having a hard time belonging because I don't really fit in anywhere. Where can we belong when we don't fit in? And as I'm pondering this question, I've been praying and asking God to help Walk me through this tension in my life. And he led me to this passage that I want to share with you all today. And it's a very, very famous passage and story in the New Testament that we've all heard over and over and over. But this time, when I read it and studied it, I gained brand new insight that I've never really thought about before. And the story is about someone who also didn't belong. He was a Jew but he didn't really belong with the Jews. So he bunked up with the Roman Empire and started working for them, but he really didn't belong with the Romans either. He didn't belong, but he was desperately looking to find a place to belong. And if you haven't guessed it by now, the, the famous story is the story of Zacchaeus who meets Jesus on the sycamore tree. And I want to study this passage with you because 
you're all going to say, uh, you're all going to really enjoy today's message because we're going to read it with a very, very fresh perspective, a very, very fresh point of view that you might have never had before. So let's read together the story of Zacchaeus from Luke chapter 19. Now Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran and climbed up the sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to the house in great excitement and joy, but the people were displeased. He has gone to be a guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will pay them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man have came to seek and save those who are lost. So there's a few things I want to click down and do a deep dive in this passage. Firstly, Zacchaeus, he was a Jew. Two, he was a chief tax collector. Number three, he was short. And number four, he climbed a sycamore fig tree. First, now he was a Jew. It doesn't say that he was a Jew, but it is inferred that he was Jewish because he has a Hebrew name. Zacchaeus is a Hebrew name, a Jewish name that means pure or innocent, which is ironic because he's kind of quite well known to be the opposite. But part of why I want to pause and really think about how he was a Jew was because it was clear that he did not belong to the Jewish community. If anything, he was hated by the community. You hear the crowd saying, he's a notorious sinner. But we can infer even more knowing that we know about the ancient world. In those days, every pure Jewish family wanted their children to be rabbis and religious leaders like the Pharisees or Sadducees. Because not only are they respected, but they are the heroes of the Jewish people who historically rebelled against the enemy, the Roman Empire. And so for Zacchaeus, there was this expectation, this hope to become a religious leader one day or a scribe or a Pharisee. But it's clear that he was a disappointment. He didn't make it for whatever reason. And if you don't become a religious leader, that's fine. Then the next honorable thing to do is to become sort, some sort of craftsman or skilled person, like a carpenter or a mercenary, and then maybe a merchant, a businessman, or a fisherman. But at the bottom of that list, the most dishonorable thing to do was to be a tax collector because it was a huge betrayal to the Jewish people. Jews despised the Roman Empire, 
and tax collectors would unlawfully cheat the Jewish people specifically by taxing them more just so that they could, just because they could and fill their own pockets. It was as if Zacchaeus like joined the mafia. So that context is really, really important when we consider what was going on through Zacchaeus' mind when he sought after Jesus. He didn't belong as a Jew. He wasn't accepted by his own people. He failed his own people, and he was also despised by his own people, which leads me to the next point I want to talk about. He was a chief tax collector. Now, the key word is chief. He wasn't just like a low-level tax collector because he wasn't just like a soldier or like an assistant tax collector where he could just say to his Jewish friends, hey, look, man, I'm just trying to do this for a living, man, but, you know, I'm with you, so I'm forced to do this. No, he was chief tax collector, meaning he sold out. He rose up the ranks. He climbed the ladder to become the top collector for the Romans. And because of that, Luke says he was very, very wealthy, but it was wealth from corruption and being dishonest, which also makes him even more ostracized by the Jewish community. But here's the thing. I feel that he worked so hard, not because of money, but because he desperately wanted to belong with the Romans. When you are despised by your own family, when you're rejected by the group of people you belong to, when you are not with them, what do you do? You work hard and try hard to belong and fit in to another group. And here, that's exactly what Zacchaeus was trying to do. He wanted to belong with the Romans. He wanted to become one of them. But here's the problem. He didn't belong. How do I know that? Well, if he had money, and if he had belonging with the Romans, why would he have sought out Jesus? Something was missing. Something was wrong in his heart. Something was empty. But other than that, I know that even as a chief tax collector, he could never, ever belong with the Romans because he was short. He was a short man, and his shortness is kind of overlooked whenever we hear the story being taught. It's just like this small detail, a detail that kind of helps the plot, explaining why he needed to climb the sycamore tree. But actually, it's very, very, very important. Luke doesn't include details that are not essential to understanding the story. He goes beyond trying to tell a plot. He, he usually includes details that help understand the character, their motive, and also to help the, under, uh, the audience understand what is happening in the psyche of this person. So when Luke writes, he was short, it says he was a man of short stature. Now, what's short? What's short in your opinion? What's short? What do you guys think? Five, six? Five, five? Now, when we hear this story, we probably think of a guy like five, 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 four, maybe, right? In the sea of people that are like, what, five, ten, five, nine, five, eleven, I don't know. Well, he would have to be significantly shorter than the average height to be specified as short stature. So here's the thing the average height of, the, of an ancient uh, Roman man was 168 centimeters. Now, if you do the quick math, right, if you convert that into inches, 168 centimeters is about five foot six, maybe five foot seven. 
And the average height of a woman in ancient Rome was 155 centimeters, right? About like five foot, maybe five foot one. So Zacchaeus, in order for him not to be able to see above the crowd, he would have had to be at least five to six inches shorter than the average man and definitely shorter than the average woman, meaning most likely Zacchaeus was under five feet tall. Now, if you, know, if you know a man that's under five foot or 4'11 is considered disabled or has dwarfism, yeah. Have you ever heard that before? Have you ever considered that Zacchaeus possibly had dwarfism? But that would make sense. That would make a lot of sense. It would make sense even more why he was rejected by the Jews, even at a young age, because in that time, any disability, any disease, including dwarfism, would be considered a result of sin. So his whole life, he wouldn't even be considered to have a seat at the table because he is physically a sinner. He had dwarfism. And for a very physical military culture like ancient Rome for a man no matter how much money they bring in if you're four foot tall it's hard to belong to a group of Roman men who are very masculine and and very Spartan type who have a very Spartan type of culture so it's very possible that Zacchaeus felt like he couldn't fit in he didn't know where he belonged he didn't belong with the Jews he didn't belong with the Romans But when he heard that Jesus was coming to his town, he heard that he is not like any other Jewish leader. He's different. He was intrigued. And out of that curiosity, longing to possibly finally belong, he decided to climb the sycamore tree. Now he climbed the sycamore fig tree. Now why the heck is that important? Well, again, Every detail to Luke is intentional and important. And I share with you a really, really helpful interpretive tool that I use. Where there, when there is a detail and you're trying to figure out if it's important or not, try to remove it from the story. And if you don't miss it, then it's not important. But here we see Luke provide Zacchaeus' name, which was very important because He was a very infamous man and everybody knew who he was. So telling the story was important of how Zacchaeus was converted and transformed. Luke provided not that he was just a regular tax collector, but that he was a chief tax collector. Very, very important to the story. And then Luke says that he was a short man, a man in short, uh, of, of short stature. And we just went over why, how That is very, very, very vital to the story. And so we can assume that providing what type of tree this is is very important because this tree, the sycamore fig tree, symbolizes something very important to the ancient world. The sycamore fig tree is a very spiritual symbol and it represents regeneration, transformation, fruitfulness, And ironically, this man who was on it, he had no fruit in his life. But at the very moment when he meets Jesus, he transforms and he starts to live a very fruitful life. And what does Jesus say? He says, Zacchaeus, 
He said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. And this is mind-boggling because the crowd is expecting to Jesus. Oh, yeah, he's going to tear him up. He's going to let him have it. But instead, Jesus invites himself to his house, which is the highest honor in the ancient world, that a rabbi would come to your home, which meant that he accepted Zacchaeus. For the first time ever, Zacchaeus feels accepted. But it's not just this human level acceptance because the sycamore tree represents a spiritual renewal in his life. He wasn't just accepted, but he was also spiritually connected with Jesus. So much where he declared to give half of his wealth to the poor and pay back anyone that he's cheated fourfold. And then Jesus says, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, not those who are found, not those who belong, not those who are even sinners. But in this passage, Luke writes that Jesus was seeking the lost. Lost meaning those who do not belong. So where can we belong when we don't fit in? We belong where we are accepted and spiritually connected. We belong where we are accepted and also spiritually connected connected Zacchaeus found belonging not just with any any people group or race or co-workers or the empire but he only found it when he was truly accepted for who he was but not only accepted but spiritual it was a spiritual relationship there was a spiritual connection that he experienced meaning this acceptance was so powerful but not only in a human way but a profoundly spiritual way which made it evident in his life and I share this because I struggle to find a place to belong. I struggle to find a place to belong categorically in this church theology. Am I conservative? Am I liberal? Am I Presbyterian? Am I Baptist? Am I biblical? Am I gospel-centered? Am I pro-justice? But the reality is belonging is not found in any of those categories or ideas or philosophies. Belonging is found where you are truly accepted and spiritually connected. And that acceptance, that spiritual connectedness is so great that it makes you want to change your life, give to the poor, reconcile with people that you have hurt and betrayed. You forgive, have relationships with people face to face. And when I think about the next phase of our church, do you know, we are currently houseless. Field work is closing. We are going to move out of this very beautiful building that we've been in the past four years. This awesome studio that I'm in, we're, we're moving out. But part of me, to be honest, is very, very excited. Because even though we are houseless, we're not homeless. Because we've been meeting in our homes. 
We've been eating together. We've been calling each other by each other's names. We've been seeing people face to face. We've been spending time together, laughing together, eating together, talking together, playing games together. And I find that we're not just a church that is inclusive. We are a church that is becoming more and more connected, where people are finding acceptance. And the only way to really do that is being inside of each other's living rooms and homes. So as we figure out where to meet on Sundays, where to record worship and sermons, I want to emphasize, let's consider to keep meeting together in our homes, in our living room. Because church is great. The Sunday service is great to make you feel included. Make you, but all you need to do is show up and participate. But what we are doing at our suppers, people are feeling accepted for who they are and spiritually connected. They're being missed when they don't show up. So I want to continue to cast this vision. Let's continue to meet in our homes. The belonging that we are looking for is not at some club or or at work or, or some gym. It's not even with our own families. It's wherever we are truly accepted and spiritually connected. That is the church we are becoming. And that is the Jesus we want to show to the rest of the world. So I pray that we are doing that. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for this Sunday. And God, as we are so grateful and we praise you for providing us with this church building and field work where we've had so many services, where People's lives have changed. People's marriages were healed. People's, uh, their souls were healed. They forgave each other. They committed to following you. They accepted you for the first time. We've ate together, laughed together, cried together, prayed for one another in this building. But God, I'm reminded that though the building, the service is great and beautiful, for us to achieve belonging, We need to make sure people feel accepted and spiritually connected. And it's hard to do that when you can be anonymous and not really living life together, but instead just spending one hour a week together. So God, I pray, like Zacchaeus, for all the people who feel like they don't fit in anywhere, that they're orphans spiritually or orphans church-wise or orphans in any sense, God, and they're looking for this belonging, I pray that we will be a church that can provide acceptance and that they will feel spiritually connected so much that they would want to change their life and follow you and represent you well. We thank you again for this Sunday and this message is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.